Hi, and welcome to another Cyber Podcast episode. I'm your host, Christoph Limpelair, and in this episode, I'm joined by Spiros Gasteratos to talk to us about what it's like to be an AppSec lead at a fintech startup called Thought Machine. We'll discuss how they approached building an application security program, maturing that program, and the lessons that they learned along the way. So Spiros, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Christoph. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for having me. So as we we dive in, just to give the audience a little bit more context about your fintech startup that you work at, can you give us an overview of what Thought Machine is? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, Thought Machine is a UK-based company that that builds Vault. Uh, Vault is a core banking system. Its aim is to um, revolutionize core banking through cloud-native technology. And uh, yeah, we we do this by um, have by building a microservices architecture that runs on Kubernetes in multiple clouds. Awesome. So, okay, you're running multi-cloud. You don't have just one single cloud vendor and you're using Kubernetes to do that. What are some of the other technologies that you're running in your tech stack to make this all work? That's a great question. Uh, it's a mix of typical modern fintech technology. For example, uh, most of the code is Golang, but there is also a mix of Python, a lot of TypeScript, and other technologies include Kafka. I already mentioned Kubernetes. Uh, a lot of Terraform, and then gRPC for all the inter-process communication, and some in-house developed components like uh, a build system that uh, we've open sourced that is called Please. Awesome, and, and I'll definitely have some questions about the open source side as well towards the end. Really curious to, to hear more about your open source contributions. And I know you're also really big into OWASP. And so there's a lot of projects there too that I'd want to dive a little bit more into. But I appreciate you sharing the tech stack. I think it's going to be important to know what kind of technologies you're dealing with as we unpack a little bit more about how you help to roll out and mature the application security side. It gets pretty complex as you start to introduce more and more technologies. So having that background is very helpful. Another thing I think that could help wrap our heads around your your challenges or how you solve them is what does your organization structure look like, at least specifically on the security side? So I know that you're an AppSec lead. Does that mean that you manage an AppSec team or how is that structured, right? Where do you report to? What is the security side of the organization look like? So in the organization uh, is vaguely split between corporate side and an engineering side. Uh, I'm part of the engineering security team, which you can think of as product security. I report to uh, a product security lead. And I run the application security team, which is a team of three security engineers, including myself. And our concerns are every, like all code written uh, in the company, uh, as opposed to the cloud security uh, sister team, which is a team of several engineers whose concerns are mostly infrastructure as code and cloud infrastructure. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you've kind of split up the responsibilities where, correct me if I'm wrong, but your team, which is a team of three on the application security side, you focus exclusively or close to exclusively 
on the code side, the application code, versus then you have the cloud side, which focuses on the infrastructure and anything else related to basically running and delivering that code. Is, is that a good summary of it? Yes, sort of. Yeah, you, you can think of it as Devon a little bit. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, that, that definitely helps me frame some of the, the later questions as well, it, especially because I'm curious to hear how you how those different teams kind of work together, since obviously you don't want to just lob that over the fence and say, hey, it's your problem now. Good luck, right? So it's I think there's a, an interesting or lo- probably a lot of interesting lessons there. One more quick question before we unpack the uh, the application security side a little bit more. Given that you're a fintech company, obviously you have a lot of requirements for data Security is a, is a major component of it. But what would you say are some of the areas of security that have been most critical for you to focus on at Thought Machine specifically? Or a different way of asking that, maybe what are some of the security concerns that keep you up at night? Thought Machine making core banking system is a pretty niche fintech position because it's at the same time critical infrastructure. Fault tolerance needs to be through the roof. And on the other hand, it's not something that is supposed to be directly exposed to the internet. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never heard of a bank putting their core banking system uh, on the internet, right? Probably not so, on purpose. <laughs> yes, not on purpose. That that's a, a great uh, that's a great sentence. Uh, so, because of that. The product needs to be of high security standard in general, but at the same time, it needs to be very performant and extremely fault tolerant. Um, So we have been focusing a lot on data security, uh, product access control and auditability, a lot of auditability, and a close second being enabling colleagues to develop uh, in a fast way with uh, by building secure by default libraries. Perfect. I love that, especially that last bit that you mentioned of enabling the developers to to create and, and ship code quickly, not getting in their way, not creating bottlenecks and slowing that down, which ties directly in a lot of the questions that I want to ask you. So thank you for that 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 context. Really helps me frame some of the uh, the questions as we move along. Out of curiosity, just so that we can kind of compare the before and after, when you joined the organization, which I believe was a few years ago, but but please specify if, if that's wrong, when you joined the organization a few years ago, what would you say was the state of your application security? And then we'll kind of unpack that and see how you've evolved over time. I joined the organization more than two years now. Yeah, two and a half probably. And um, back then... The people who hired me was were two brilliant security engineers who had a lot of solid building blocks in place and through some like incredible talent had managed to create a really good security culture for a startup. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I think a lot of startups uh, usually focus can, don't, do not have the time to focus on security as much. They focus a lot on developing the product because, well, if the product is not developed, there is nothing to secure. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I was surprised to see that Thought Machine had a lot of really solid uh, culture and application security was, the journey was a bit early in the process. 
but a lot of the fundamental building blocks required to make a great AppSec program were already there. Uh, for example, they were using uh, a pretty good build system, which allowed for easy third-party library management and container management and enforcing policies on how things should be built or running um, static code analysis as part of the build. Yeah, no, you make a, a pretty good point, and I definitely can't disagree with that. I think obviously there are there are uh, specific instances where that might not be the case, but I do think a lot of times startups do tend to focus more on just building the product, not necessarily have the resources or the ability to focus on the security side of things. And so it's like, oh, well, we can worry about that a little bit later. Let's just make sure this works and it's not too bad. And then in a couple of years, we'll have enough revenue to where we can hire the team to fix it and so on and so forth. So it's not often that, at least personally, I hear stories of people that come in and say, yeah, no, we, we had some pretty good standards in place already. We had good processes, good build processes and so on. A lot of times it's, well, we really didn't have anything. So I had to start from scratch. And not to go on too big of a tangent, but sometimes I do get that question from especially beginners, people entering this industry. They say, hey, should I go work at a startup in application security or should I go work for a medium to large corporation where they'll already have a lot of those those processes in place? So just as a quick side tangent to that, what would be your response if somebody asked you that? It depends. In, in my opinion, it depends really on what you want to achieve. Uh, in a startup, you have typically space to pretty much do anything you want, but your resources are very constrained. So you have the freedom to implement all your crazy ideas or play around with new technology. And the startup is very likely to use itself new technology. In uh, the corporate world, you might be a little bit more constrained because there a lot of things might have fallen in place already. But on the other hand, you might have a lot more resources to either buy technology from vendors or hire a bigger team. Or if you're junior, maybe the team is already there. It has some brilliant people in it and you can learn. So it, it really depends on how you want to evolve as a person. Because it might be easier to find a mentor, like you said, that's already got a ton of experience. Maybe you might be able to learn faster or more from that, unless maybe you're more of a self-taught person, in which case you're able to, to learn so much because there is so much to be done, which is a good tie into my next question of how do you even know where to focus, right? We talked about when you join the organization, honestly, it sounds like you already had a pretty good state of affairs, but obviously there's always room for improvement. So how do you make sure that you don't tackle everything at the same time, but that you, instead you focus on the most important parts first? How do you know how to do that? What, how do you find the most important areas to focus on first? I try to, to approach this as somebody who walks into a new building that may be crumbling down or maybe not and you need to figure out what's going on uh, so normally you would gain some visibility try and see what's what's happening so for us what we did was we tried we set up a bunch of meetings with most of the development 
and we figured who out who's working on what and we got most development teams to give us uh, either a demo or a pretty good architecture diagram of what they are building and what is the history of what they've built so far and after we did that um we sat down with representatives of those teams and we created threat models. and we threat modeled if not all of the product at least most of the product and once we had decent threat models and we knew which microservices are uh, on the critical path and which are uh, supportive and things like that uh, then we did a short pen test which gave us a pretty good idea of what was the maturity of each team we found teams that were on the critical path and had some really brilliant engineers in them who but they had some not so stellar security much uh, and the opposite. And in the process of, of doing that, what were some of the main challenges that you came across? And as, as a second question to that, or a two-part question, maybe if, if you're thinking about it in terms of, hey, I'm going to join a different organization that's in the similar kind of spot that it was that we were at a couple of years ago, what would you do differently to try and avoid those challenges? How would you see around the corner? When we started, we had to move quite because, well, it's a startup and nobody's going to wait for you to find out who's doing what and what's the security posture uh, so that they can continue developing, right? So at the beginning, you go in and you try to threat model or secure a product that is constantly changing. Uh, so your threat models might will not might will definitely be obsolete by the time you finish right? them. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, so for us, speed was a big a big challenge, um, but we managed to solve it in in several ways. And the other one was new technologies and very specialized technologies. For example, we use gRPC. It's should I say what gRPC? Uh, would sure. that be yeah just a quick quick summary of so it. okay so we, we use grpc which is uh you can think of it as http 2.0 uh by google it's a way to it's a binary protocol built on http and it's used for communications between uh, our microservices and i have never seen it i had never seen it before before i joined thought machine right so it was quite an interesting new technology to learn so you can learn how to attack the product which it had like a pretty steep and it's not the only technology there was a pretty steep learning curve uh for because there were so many similar novel or new technologies used and if i was to do it again i would try and measure the outcome of our actions and everything we did much earlier in the process. So for example, I mentioned that we, we sat down and threat modeled most of the product. Um, in hindsight, we found out that this was very useful for us, but we, we could have done it slightly different and then faster as a result. So, but we found out about it too late after we did all the threat model because we didn't think about measuring how fast we're going and our velocity and all these things early in the process. 
So when you say measure how fast you're going, the velocity and so on, what, what kind of metrics are you specifically referring to? For this specific threat modeling exercise, we sat down and measured how many threat models we managed to get approved by teams per week. Gotcha. Okay. And we didn't think about starting from the most important teams or the teams that have the most services on the critical path. Uh, we just started writing thread models with the teams that were more most responsive, which made us miss a couple of really important teams. And when and when you, when you talk about speed, right? As you were saying, those metrics and and that speed conversation is specific to threat modeling, figuring out where we currently are as an organization and so on. But there's also the speed, which is on the development side. So as we talk about agile development, more and more organizations really trying to move in that direction, that can become a pretty big challenge on the application security side because you don't want to get in front of the developers and slow them down too much, right? I'm I'm lazy by nature. So if you come and you say, hey, Christoph, I'm going to need you to do all these other extra processes now in order to ship your code. It's going to take days instead of minutes for you to be able to ship this. I'm not going to be happy with that. So I'm assuming those are probably some of the challenges that you had to deal with. And if that's a correct assumption, how did you avoid that situation and keep the development pipeline moving quickly as you started to implement some additional security controls? My approach on security is that security should rarely be a bottle. Or if you manage to, if you are an organization and you manage to make security never be a bottleneck, then you've succeeded in security. I know that this is, this sounds impossible and probably is, uh, but this is my goal, at least everywhere where I've worked. Thing is, so for Thought Machine, we managed to automate a lot of the checks we had to do and bundle a lot of our checks into existing tooling. Luckily, we had a lot of existing tooling, for example, linters and autoformators. So if your linter already checks for spacing, why not add uh, a linter that a similar linter, and I'm using linter very in a very abstract term here, uh, that checks also for string concatenation that goes into a SQL query, mm -hmm. right? And you can do that, and it might be wrong, and it might very well be wrong, but it's it's not going to slow down um, development significantly or a lot of times not even noticeably. And a lot of developers actually like things like that because it gave them better code, better quality, and which might slow them down a little bit now, but in the future, it speeds, it, it speeds up a lot of development because it allows, if the code... If the code base is better written, it is easier to understand by the next person or when you come back to it. Makes it much easier to maintain over the long term, for sure. Yeah. And as a bonus, we got involved as early as possible on high profile work streams. Um, probably we one of our like best allies uh, to this day is product managers and engineering project managers who have a very good idea of what's coming in the next quarter. So we can get involved with the right teams and have the right conversation even before they start 
implementing or even before they start designing. So I, I mentioned my the two people who hired me earlier, and I, I came in the company having already a very good collection of um, security user stories on on how things should be written. So what what we did to advance maturity on that was take steps to put these user stories at the hands of the right people as requirements for product. So walk me through how that works, because I'm actually really curious to see how you pulled this off when you say that you were able to essentially partner with the product managers and the engineering managers. How does that look like on a weekly basis? Uh, meaning like, do you just, do you set up weekly meetings, monthly meetings, or is there something else that helps you and your team stay in the loop of what's coming around the corner and able to integrate better with those those development teams? A lot of product managers have some form of tooling in most organizations I've been that allows, allows them to schedule future work or see who's working on what, which is a great way to for security as well to have a very good idea of what features are being developed. Um, and from and a lot of those features have either user stories or use cases or some form of requirements in them. And if you set alerts in that system for when anything gets added and set aside maybe two hours a week to read everything and review all those systems, all those user stories, sorry, then you have a pretty good idea of what's coming in. And then you can add comments or requirements of yourself or uh, ask people to contact you so that you can have a conversation before they start implementing or just join their design meeting. And that's for product. And as well, um, project managers, uh, engineering project managers specifically, are going to be the kind of people who will be in those design meetings and are going to be the kind of people who are going to be liaising uh, between uh, product analysts or even customers sometimes and the engineering teams so that they can accurately communicate uh, requirements. So if you tell project managers, which meetings you want to be in or you should be included in, they are your best allies and they can add you to those meetings. So you can show up and be a positive, like have a positive impact. Um, you're not going to show up, of course, and ask people to completely change designs or tell them this is your, what you're designing is like completely wrong start over, <laughs> but you're going to show up and an example I have, which I think is describes this approach pretty well, is when a developer when a developer wants to build SQL queries dynamic, because sometimes it just makes sense. You want to select from a table, and then maybe you want to join another table, or you can uh, have a subquery. And once this code gets complex enough, the possibility of a SQL injection is almost certain. Mm-hmm. So what you can and what you can do there is spot the fact that if you are building SQL queries dynamically, you probably have 
a lot of speed of performance and speed problems on top of your other problem so what if you you research and find a pretty good performant um query builder like or an orm if your development team likes orms and then suggest that this is used for this specific project as a start and then you can roll it out to the rest of the company as you go right this will speed up development it will allow people to to have like faster performing queries and suddenly suddenly you are a form of like a positive change you're not the person who shows up to say no i love that too because it, you've automated a pretty important piece of it which is you're able to see in the future without necessarily having to set up a gazillion different meetings that just end up slowing everybody down. You're able to go to that central tooling and say, okay, from our product team, here's what we can expect to see in the next few weeks, months, maybe even longer than that. I don't know how, how far ahead you're able to see, but a lot of times with startups, maybe it's a quarter or so. And so at that point, then you can say, okay, I need to be involved more in this project or this specific piece of the project because of those reasons you outlined, right? Maybe there's going to be more uh, concern for security performance or anything else like that if we build this out as it's probably going to get built out. So let's go ahead and have that conversation. But again, you don't have to have a gazillion meetings prior to that. You're able to see in the future just by going to that that central tooling and, and a good bit of it is is automated, which is a lot easier said than done. I know from experience, it could be pretty difficult to get everybody on the same page that way. So it's very impressive that you've been able to pull that off. I have so many other questions in that area, but unfortunately we're starting to run out of time. So what I'm gonna do now is move on to what I call the quick fire round, which is just gonna be a series of, of quick questions that have short answers. And so I'll start with the first one, just out of curiosity, what even led you down the application security path? What made you choose that career? I would say curiosity, uh, which led me to stumble upon an incredible community. And I like to tinker, so um, and I like computers. So tinkering with computer softwares, the normal thing. What What was something cool that you did in the prior week, or even at the start of this week? And what does your day day in a job look like typically? There is a really cool project by Kubernetes native called Tecton. It's imagine a CI/CD on Kubernetes. And they released a new version, uh, beta one, and it has so many more tools than the previous one. And I got it to integrate into Dragon, our security related CI CD system that we developed and open sourced in ThoughtPan. Speaking of open source, you talk about uh, Draken or Dracon. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I know you're also involved in the OWASP integration standards and the OWASP security knowledge framework. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got started either building open source projects from scratch or contributing to existing ones? There is a lot of things on. Uh, there is a lot of positive triggers on this. One way is you find something that is missing either on the general internet out there or on the tool you're using. And you realize that you can probably write it given a few evenings or a few weekends. Uh, another way is somebody in a forum or somebody in a community gathering mentions the classic, oh, you know, 
wouldn't it be nice if tool X did think Y and you realize that you've either implemented similar code before or you can you have the resources to do this. So why not do it and give back to the community and also learn more about your favorite tools in the process? Awesome. And final question, if people want to follow up, they have additional questions or they just want to connect, how can they reach out to you? I am 0xfde on Twitter and I am also uh, Spiros on OWASP Slack. OWASP Slack Spiros. And then I can post the uh, the Twitter handle. If you can't find it after listening to this, just let me know on Discord. I'll be happy to, to link you directly to uh, to his profile. But thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode. Please do, please do reach out to Spiros and give him a big thank you for sharing with us on this podcast episode. Even if you don't have follow-up questions, just say thanks. You know, taking time out of his day to share his wisdom with us. I really, really appreciate that. And we're also trying something new where members who've joined our free cyber Discord server can ask questions after we've recorded the episode. So in fact, immediately after this ends, they're about to be able to ask our guest follow-up questions. So I definitely recommend that you join us for our next recording so that you can also do that. And you can do that by going to cyber.com forward slash discord, and then I'll keep you posted on when the next recording will be. So thanks everyone for joining us. Thank you, Spiros, and I'll see you all next time.